amateur podcast for yeah, a reason. And we uh, we peaked. <laughs> you don't think we could ever do that again? Absolutely. <clears throat> Today's episode of Atlanta Zone unfortunately does not have a sponsor. So we'll use this as an opportunity to let you know that all you have to do is reach out to us if you want to hear your shitty product and or company featured as a product on Atlanta Zone. As long as it's a tangible item and not some tough to conceptualize cloud-based app and or software, we can write an ad and win you more customers. We'll also use this free time to inform you that intern Jared has been rehired. He successfully completed his court-mandated rehab and is once again fit for society. Despite the falling out that we had with intern Jared, we do welcome him back with open arms because at the end of the day, he does something that neither intern Lauren or intern Katie did. He actually listens to our podcast. So welcome back, Jared. Can't wait to see what new content you come up with us for us to put out into the world. Let's start the show. What's up, Atlanta sports fans? My name is Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalau. We are Atlanta Atlanta Natives. Recap the week that was sports. Wacky ass hijinks. It's the it's the new brewery off the Beltline ah. that is semi pretentious. You would hate everything about it. Sweet. You an IPA man, Junior? No, as you know. No, no. They don't have liquor either. No, yeah, I would have. I would find no place there. A lot of people with button up shirts, collared just, shirts, dress despi- shirts. Despite it being ninety five degrees outside, course, right, sweating their asses off like the hogs they are. A lot of croakies. The hell's a croakie? Those are the sunglasses things. Oh, and they wear the, the, the sunglasses on the back of their necks. No, they're, they're the down. cords that you attach to the back of the glasses, uh, and they hang. Yeah. They're usually, like, college, university-themed. Yeah, that's A lot of lame. Georgia Bulldog croakies. I don't like that. Lacoste. That's yeah, something else. No. I would, that would not fit in there. Not for you? No. Um, yeah, I'm doing well, though, Graham. How are you? I am... Doing very well. Um, it is the greatest poet, lyricist, musician in American history's birthday today, Bob Dylan. And uh, I celebrated today by listening to a shit ton of Bob Dylan, like I've been doing for the last uh, about month. Really, just always loved him, but for some reason, I'm just everything I listen to right now is Bob. So, found out it was his birthday, and I was like, I just gotta just keep on doing what I'm doing, man. Speaking of poets and lyricists, yes. did you see? Uh, Will Smith is back in the rap game. Oh, no shit. Yeah. He, no. he dropped a really hot, like, minute and a half, just, like, roasting on everybody. Wow. Did he use any vulgarity? He did not. Wow. I knew that was, like, his shtick back in the 90s. Never cursed. Yeah. It, the shit sounded pretty good, though. Nice. It has to be a lot better than his, uh, his son's stuff. Jaden. Yeah. It's not good? No. He better or worse than Wild Wild West? Worse. Worse? Worse by... There's no comparison. I mean, you can shit on Wild Wild West. It's still a song that I probably know 40% of, like, 15 years later. At least it's got a catchy hook. Yeah. You know? 
Jaden Smith is all synthesized and digitized, and he's screeching and squawking about all this stuff. And I think the album's called Icon or something like that. And it's like, mm. you're, you're no icon. Kid. Yeah, your dad's. Your dad's an icon. Yeah. Um, and he's not a very good actor. So I've been listening to the Dylan. Yep. Been watching any Atlanta sports? Watching a ton of Braves at him. Not a whole hell of a lot else going on right now. I know there's United every once in a while, but I uh, admittedly missed the last game. No, another uh, big news hmm. tidbit for you. Yeah. The Atlanta Dream oh. signed a shuttle contract with my company, Lanier Parking Solutions. No shit. Yeah. So how is that going to work out? Where are they being shuttled to? And <laughs> I know where they're being shuttled to, but where are they being shuttled from? I don't know all the details. My guess is they're shuttling from an area... Probably like Atlantic Station, probably just to like a Marta station. That's exciting. <laughs> Some uh, big revenue opportunities for you guys. Yes, I indeed. Think. Yes, indeed. So that's our that's our dream segment today. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we got a pretty fun show for you guys today. We got uh, Julio Jones controversy happening. It seems to be the talk of the town. Uh, we'll discuss whether or not we think it is really as controversial as as it's being presented to be. Or if everyone's just overreacting like we all tend to do these days. And we'll uh, you know, do our customary Braves recap and report where I uh, bitch about various things and Adam tries to consult me or yells at me for being a negative Nancy. Mm-hmm. We'll also go and look at this date in Braves history. The date of this recording is May 24th, 2018. So we will look at May 24th, 2016 yep. and compare and contrast. It's been a fun little segment we've been doing the last few weeks and we will continue doing it. Hopefully they didn't have an off day. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> It'd be a quick segment. Yep. And other than that, we don't really have a heck of a lot else going on, Adam, in Atlanta sports. Not currently. We we, we got a lot of lo- Hawks talk last week, so yeah, I think we uh, I think that's, we reached our <laughs> Hawks quota for the rest of the year. Right. I don't think there's going to be much else. Maybe the draft. I think the draft will, will complete us. I don't think we'll talk about the Hawks the rest of the year, though. We'll, we'll definitely talk about the draft. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the draft for sure. It's been building for a long time. So, yeah, we'll jump right into the news of Julio Jones, which is what everyone's been talking about the last couple of days, ever since a report broke that said he wants to restructure his deal, even though there's three years left, which I think, is that unprecedented in the NFL, Adam? It's, not, that, it's not standard, Graham. No. It's not standard. Do, do you go to your company and say, I want my deal restructured? I don't, have, you have... I don't have a contract. They could fire me any day. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that defeats uh, that segue. But I, I don't think I've ever heard of a player wanting to renegotiate his contract with three years left on it. And the timing couldn't be worse because it's like a week or two. It's about three weeks after Matt Ryan signed that huge extension, which makes a little more sense with you know a year left on his deal, which is something, as we've discussed before, Thomas Mitroff loves to do to the players he feels like are going to continue to produce for him takes care of them a year before they hit free agency, so there's no risk of, you know, them jumping ship. But with Julio, it's just kind of like, wow, what a ballsy move. It's so dumb. I'm sick of all this contract crap. Like, because if you lay down to Julio, who just signed this deal three years ago, he's, like, top ten money-wise for everybody. It's just, like, a couple guys that are clearly worse than him, like Sammy Watkins and... Jarvis Landry making more money than him, and he's jealous. He's making $15 million a year. It's like, like I said, top 10 amongst wide receivers in like all categories as far as 
money that's paid up front, money per year, um, some other shit right. that I can't remember off the top of my head. But it's not like it's a god-awful contract. Right. And for a guy that only scores three touchdowns a year, like, what are you doing? And then if we lay down to Julio, who's next? Who's going to be just like, oh, I don't like this deal that I paid someone to negotiate years ago. Um, I want a new one. Right. I think That's not how it works. No. I mean, the, the market changes. I, w- I wish I had bought a house in Inman Park 10 years ago when you they f- were cheap. You fucked up. Why don't you go back and, and go to your current uh, realtor and say, I want to restructure my deal. I'm going to say, I want this house for the price it was 10 years ago. It yep. doesn't work like that. You take what the market gives you. You can't just be throwing shit out there. Yeah, I think overall... Honor I, your contract. Yes, I, I agree with that. Um, I can get a little bit where Julio's coming from in the sense that, yeah, there are guys being paid more than him that don't deserve it. But, uh, you know, to go back to what you were saying, after only scoring three touchdowns, and his touchdowns decrease seemingly by the year, I think really the only... I think he's only had one or two years where he actually got into double-digit touchdowns. And I think one of those years was the 2012 run to the NFC Championship game against San Francisco. I think he had like 10 or 12 touchdowns that year. But he's not performing in the red zone. He's an integral part of this offense. If we lose him, right, then, yeah, we're, then we're it's all clearly over. way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's an amazing player. I'm not saying we don't need the guy. No, he's a once-in-a-generation talent. However, uh, the timing's really poor on this for a lot of reasons. One with the Matt Ryan deal, and two, it, you're right, it sets a dangerous precedent. It sets a dangerous precedent because then if we give in to him now – Right, Grady Jarrett might say, "Where's my money now?" Devon Jones might say, "Where's my money?" Devonte might not like the contract he signed last. Right, year. he's just that we he, never should have signed him. Right, to. and I think if 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 we give in, and it's not even going to just affect the Falcons, it could affect the rest of the National Football League. This could set a chain reaction uh, across the league of people just going like, "Well, where the hell's my deal?" To where contracts don't matter. Where contracts don't matter. We can restructure them two years into them. And as, I think as, that's that's ridiculous. As I say that, though, you can look at it the from the player's point of view to the fact that he signs a six-year deal, but can be cut whenever. So it's not like the team has to honor the contract yeah. too. And that, that's also true. And I think you know it might be something that's taken care of in the sense that there might they might do something where they give him more guaranteed money. They might do something where they add an extension on the back end for like two more additional years for more money. And then just cut them anyways after that. Well, I don't know. But I'm just saying there there are a lot of there there are potentially a number of ways around this. And and you know, Thomas and his capologists have been pretty smart with the way they've uh, been managing the salary cap over the last six, seven years, I think. And so I think there's a way to make this work. I just don't like the way Julio's going about it. This seems like a very anti-Julio move. I know. It's like the first wide receiver diva bullcrap we've seen out of him. It's like with the whole social media thing that people were making a big deal right. out of and a couple we, weeks ago. We, Apparently that was something that he was actively doing. Right, right. And we refused to talk about that because we thought, who gives a shit? Yeah. But it really, For those of you who don't know, he like disassociated himself with anything... Falcons. Yes, on, on Instagram. On Instagram. Unfollowed people. It, I hate social media like so much. a month ago or so. Yeah. And I wonder also, he's apparently been training a lot with Terrell Owens. I wonder if T.O.'s getting in his ear. Yeah, that's not a good... Uh, it's the last guy I want to be fucking training with. Right. It seemed, and he's just, just the, the antithesis of the kind of player and the kind of person, seemingly, Julio Jones is. 
guy likes to stay on the spotlight and just shut up and do his job, which I've always admired him uh, because that's the way he's gone about his business as opposed to Odell Beckham, who's proposing to field goal nets and running his mouth like a punk bitch. Uh, so I, don't, I really don't like it, and I, I don't know where it goes from here, but I imagine Thomas is going to have to cave in. And Arthur Blank came out and said, I love Julio. Julio. He immediately caved. <laughs> yeah. I love Julio. Julio loves me. We are, you know, he's going to be a Falcon for life. We're going to make this work. So, yeah, I mean, maybe he makes it work, but what does this do to the rest of the rest of the team is the question. Does this disrupt the brotherhood going into the season? We have to ask ourselves that. Yeah, and does it mean we can't sign Grady Jarrett next offseason? That, that's even bigger. Deion right? Jones. Yeah, like you want to keep – there's three key pieces on defense you want to keep for as long as you possibly can. And they're on three different tiers of the, in, in the defense. You have Grady Jarrett up front. You have Deion Jones, a middle linebacker. And you have Keanu Neal at safety. Those are the three people you want to keep. Hopefully make them lifers. Sure, sure. You know, they're they're all very young. They're all turning into an exceptional players. Grady Jarrett especially is a top five defensive tackle in the league. Deion Jones is becoming one of the best middle linebackers in the league. Keanu Neal, we already know how good he is, and he can even get he's going to get better as he as he gets a little older. So if this jeopardizes re-signing those guys, I'm going to be fucking pissed off. Because you know what? You were talking about that window a couple weeks ago closing. It's going to be slammed shut if we lose any of those guys to yep. me. It's a selfish play. Yeah. $14 million a year. So I guess the question... I'm going to use the phrase yeah. that I hate more than any phrase in the world. Wow. That's strong. $14 million a year. Must be nice. Yeah. I hate that phrase, but I think it, it, it plays it, here. It applies. Hey, Julio, must be nice. Yeah. It's time to be snarky, Adam. Embrace your inner snark. You, you can lose your diamond earrings at Lake Lanier that cost $150,000. Oh, must be nice. Oh, you can sit out all of training camp and not practice with the team. Must be nice. You can take yourself out on third down when your team might need you. Must be nice. Yeah. That was actually probably the first time we've seen Julio act a little diva was in, in this last year when he started doing that. And, you know, what's next? Is he going to start running his mouth to the media? Is he going to become Odell Beckham Jr.? Like, it's kind of scary. There's like, a, there's like a steady progression into bullshit. Where'd you hear this about him hanging out with T.O.? I was just around. It's uh, been reported upon, I think, by Falcoholic and just NFL writers. Where are they hanging out? I don't know where they're hanging out, but Julio is. Uh, they're like working out together. They're working out together. Felt some some people are saying Tio's going to try and make a comeback, but I don't believe. I just think Tio's just trying to stay in shape because he is an incredible physical specimen. But you know, maybe Julio's looking for someone to mentor him. I don't know why the hell he'd go to Tio, but they are training together. Hmm. So, speaking of comebacks, do you see um, Rafael Palmero? Yeah, he contemplated a comeback. He's playing like in a Suns like. His, oh, it's actually happening. Yeah, he, wow. he hit a bomb the other day. Nice. He's like 40. fifty-three. Son of a bitch. I mean, he's never going to make it to the majors, but he's like. That's a nice story, though. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you think about Julio? Not he's not in OTAs, which are voluntary workouts. What do you think about that? You think it just adds fuel to the fire? I mean, obviously, I'm not happy about any of it. Right, but I mean. It just makes, does that make the situation worse to you, or do you not put as much stock into him not being at OTAs? I feel like he probably wouldn't have been at OTAs anyways, right? Maybe not, but I would like him to be there, and I'll tell you why. 
because him and Sarkeesian and Matt Ryan need to get on the same page. Yes, there's that, but also to work on red zone offense, which if you watched any Falcons game last year, the only time I really saw Julio and Matt connect on a really meaningful play in the red zone was in that Rams game in the playoffs. Every other time it was this forced throw off his back foot uh, that was that was poorly placed or it was right to Julio and he dropped it or the defense made a play or whatever. And they are not in sync in the red zone at all. And for some reason we can't drop – either we can't drop a good play for him, Matt can't put it in the right place, or the defense makes a play, or maybe it's something on Julio. I don't know who to blame there, but it was fucking awful all season. And really Julio hasn't been an amazing red zone target really since that 2012 season. I think he had 10 red zone touchdowns that, that year, but it's – you look at the numbers. Yeah, no. it, it's mm-hmm. nothing good. No. It's it's gone down year after year after year, both in targets, receptions, and touchdowns. And you well, need to, we need to take advantage of these opportunities. I don't care if it's voluntary or mandatory. Get your ass out there. If you really care about winning a fucking championship, this is where championships start. And I know it's voluntary. I know plenty of people are not going to it. I know Aaron Donald's not going to OTAs. I know Tom Brady is, and I know. I don't know, there's probably a number of guys that aren't going that, you know, are high-profile players. But, you know, when you've got a serious detriment in your game, especially when you're trying to get on the same page with your quarterback and a very young coordinator who probably shouldn't even have the job, take every opportunity to do what's right for your team. And not being at OTAs is not what's right what do you think, for the Falcons. What do you think we'd be saying to Julio if he was sitting in this room right now and we're interviewing him? We'd probably be very intimidated. <laughs> and we wouldn't be saying any of this. <laughs> We sound uh, we sound pretty bad behind a microphone in more ways than one, but we'd sound like absolute jackasses if we were talking to him. I, 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 I'm Julio, you're fine. You're fine. It's gonna work it's out, gonna work out in out. end no zone. Like, of course you don't need to go to OTAs. Yeah. You see how talented you are. Yeah, of course you don't need to practice. Uh, uh, Dan Quinn did, did say to the media that he expects Julio Jones to be at the mandatory uh, mini camp, I think, or when training camp starts in June. I don't know. Uh, but that's when he expects him to be back. He says he's talked to Julio. He says everything's fine. Blah blah blah. So okay, a lot of a lot of good coach speak. He also said he was asked about Matt Ryan and Julio's connection, and he said something along the lines of, well, "You know, they've been teammates for like eight years, so I, I assume they've they've made contact with each other." And I don't know. It just wasn't a good look. There's, nothing's a good look right now for this uh, for this situation. At least we're not the Browns. That's true. That's true. But the Browns are probably one of the reasons why Julio is demanding this contract because they gave Jarvis Landry a ridiculous deal. I mean, it happens. Mike Muscala is making more than Kevin Durant in the NBA. Is that true? No, it's not true. I was about to say, I was like, you're out of your fucking But a player similar to Mike Muscala is. can't remember who it is, though. It's poor analysis. (laughs) (laughs) You get Uh, my drift. Yeah, I get your drift. Mike Conley's probably making more than KD. Oh, that is true. Which is total horseshit. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Good on you, Junior. Yeah. I. There's not really much else to say. I was just just disappointed in uh, the way that Julio's going about his business right now. But so if he were to ball out this year and get 14 touchdowns, still put up his usual receiving numbers and reception yards, what would you say then? Do we win a Super Bowl? Yes. Well, I don't care then. Care about nothing if we win a Super Bowl. You care about nothing. I don't care about the future. You could get shot in the face. And no. So you you no. wouldn't take it as far as I would. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying I don't. 
Like, I don't care who gets paid what because we did it. We did it. The pressure's off. Yeah. I was thinking about that the other day when I was uh, stuck on the interstate. And I was just thinking, man, you know what? It would still matter a lot. But if we just won that goddamn Super Bowl against the Patriots, it wouldn't hurt so bad. Like, nothing that the Falcons did would hurt as bad as if we had just won. Yep, we probably should have won that one, Graham. Yeah, that was, that was our best chance we'll probably ever have. And if we are able to win it this year or in the future, it's I just don't feel like it'll ever come as perfectly together as it as it did that year. It'd be sweeter now after losing the It Super would be. Bowl. It would be amazing. But it's just really frustrating now that we're having to deal with all this salary bullshit after not achieving the ultimate <laughs> goal that was right in our fucking grasp. I mean, it's just depressing. It's classic Atlanta. I wonder if that's the conversation that Coach Quinn and the staff Thomas have the, yeah. the salary bullshit. Yeah, probably. I would love to be a fly on the wall of that conversation. Like, what? Like, it's like, what is he talking about? He's got three years left. Yeah. Yeah, fifteen million is not fucking chump change, man. I don't care who the Coach fuck you are. It's just like, well, what about the brotherhood? I thought we had brotherhood. We're gonna see how strong the brotherhood is in the future too. With when Grady has to get paid, Jake Matthews, and uh, Deion Jones. Yeah, Brotherhood's probably crocking. It's probably crumbling. Yeah, at this yeah. point. But I think we've squawked enough about this bullshit. Yeah. I just hope it resolves itself and we can move on um, one way or the other. And I would like if Thomas had the balls to say no. If he said no. Maybe he does. I would, I would be thrilled. Call his bluff. Yeah. Because you know what? Then if Julio does go out there and score 14 touchdowns, then maybe you go, hmm, okay. But... Make, I think I think to cave it. to cave in now would would just send it would just be bad it would be wrong and it, it's a, you're in a, they're in a really tough position though when your your star receiver who is invaluable to your offense is doing that like what do you do thank God I'm not Thomas Dimitrov I'd be pitching a shit fit right now I wouldn't be able to go to sleep at night so you're happy to be Graham Waldrop instead of Thomas Dimitrov no. <laughs> <laughs> Yes and no. You'd have more stressful uh, public decisions. Of course. I'd be in better shape. I'd be biking around all around Atlanta. I'd just get to do sports all the time, which would be very challenging uh, to be a general manager and working 16, 18 hour, hours a day. But your hair, certainly, would, your hair would definitely be all gray. Yeah, it's already pretty gray, but it'd be all gray. And I'd probably gain 60 pounds. However... Although you're biking a lot, so maybe you don't. That's true. Maybe I don't. But... And I would say... Good on you. Are a lot younger than him, so you should have more years left. But he's also in a lot better shape than you, and he's probably a hell of a lot smarter than I am. At least when it comes to the game of football. Yeah, and probably in general. Yeah, I don't see him being a drinker either, so that probably no. helps him out. Yeah, he's not going to die when he's forty-seven. He's he's already past forty-seven. So there you have it. But on the plus side for you, he pretty much focuses on the Falcons, mm-hmm. and you get to analyze. All of Atlanta All the Atlanta sports. sports. I got you there, Thomas. Yep. So, you got that going for you. Very fair. Moving on to the Braves? I think we move on to the Braves. Um, Braves are still in first place in the National League East, despite having dropped two of three to the Philadelphia Phillies. It's the first time we've lost a series all year to the Phillies. I think we've played them 12 times already this season. We've won every series until until last night. Uh, Shut out and both the losses at them. Yeah, allegedly Kapler, Gabe Kapler, Philly's manager, figured something out. 
about this Atlanta offense. In terms of how to attack them from a yeah. pitching standpoint? Yeah. Is that hearsay or is that a, a legitimate report? It was the headline to an article that I was trying to find right before the podcast here. Mm-hmm. But uh, I couldn't find it. Um, but I can assume he used analytics and figured something out while doing yoga. Probably. One day. Um, it also probably helps they didn't take out Jake Arrieta or Aaron Nolan, the the fucking... Yeah, we also inning. ran into really two really good pitchers. Yeah, and we hadn't faced Arrieta all season, uh, amazingly. But they have a really good pitching staff. We do. Nola, uh, Pavetta's really come on strong. He pitched his ass off that game against us, and then Arrieta, that's a good three-headed monster. And Velasquez is, is solid as well. Yeah. So, I don't, um, I don't fully believe in their offense, but I feel like they're going to fade... Yeah, they're built on their pitching for sure. Whereas we're more built on our offense, even though our pitching's you know respectable, certainly from a rotational standpoint. But you can see the league's definitely adjusting to our young guys. Like, yeah, we you know, Acuna's hitting like less than he's hitting right around two hundred in his last like ten games or so. That's true, but he has come up with some huge hits. Yeah, he's had, he's had a couple clutch um, hits, but on Tuesday night came up with a big hit for an insurance run to to really. Uh, put us up 3-1 against the Phillies. Yeah, he had another big hit um, last week. That was a you know against the Cubs. He had a huge home run. He also got another hit. I think that drove in Albies in a game that we won in that series. So even though Acuna has cooled off, it's almost like he gets better as the game goes along. Like he's got that clutch gene in the seventh, eighth, eighth or ninth inning to really uh, produce when you need him to. And we we knew he was going to have his ups and downs this season. He wasn't going to hit 370 the whole year. So I'm not too worried about Ronald Acuna right now. Yeah, it wouldn't be fair to uh, expect him to just dominate right. every at-bat. That's, that's not the game of baseball, No, Grambo. Not at all. Huge win on Sunday against the Marlins. You were, we were definitely in, in, uh, in dangerous territory of losing that series. Down, what was it, 9-4? to four Yeah, so I don't, I don't going know. Going into the ninth inning. I don't know how you watched that game, but I invested a lot of time into that game. Yep. Only to give up in the eighth inning. Um, I think once the Braves didn't score in the eighth, somebody wanted to watch the Phillies game. John did. I didn't care. I was like, yeah, I mean, we're down five runs. Mm -hmm. No sign of life from this offense right now. Um, That's fine. And then the Phillies game was shit. And intern Jared was like, Adam, don't you think we should change it back to the Braves game? And I looked it up, and it was like, nobody on base, one out already. It's like, nah, there's no need. Right. And then I get a phone call, like, 14 minutes later from Jacob. So, like, I mean, I just missed what would have been a huge moment in my life, Graham. Yeah, it was incredible. Freddie Freeman said it was the most exciting game he's ever played in. That's saying a lot. Been a part of or watched. Wow. Yeah, Braves came back and went 10-9, to I think, it was all small ball. I think it was all singles or walks, walks. Yep. Uh, which was fantastic to see the team once again have incredible plate discipline up there to get guys on and, never, and not give up. And, right. and, and Dansby Swanson played the hero and, and walked the game off with a two-run single uh, into the corner, yeah. which he's, was really he's, exciting. He's got a little bit of that clutch factor in him as well. Yeah. Like, I don't hate having him up there in those moments. No. I mean, I'm honestly – okay with whoever's coming up to bat in, in a really big situation. Even Camargo, who I know isn't hitting well, he's only hitting 214, but he has a 382 on base percentage. And even though he's only had 70 at bats, he has the sixth best walk rate in Major League Baseball right now. Hmm. 
So uh, even though he's not being like an amazing contributor, you know, actually hitting the ball, I think he has been bitten by a little bit of bad luck. His, his batting average of balls in play is ridiculously low, so I expect that to go up. Um, but he's getting on base. You know, even a guy like that, I'm, I'm fine with whoever's coming up to, to bat on this offense. Even Ryan Flaherty, who I know has cooled off a lot. I'm still like, a lot. shit, I, I, I have confidence in, in, in everyone up and down that order who plays regularly. So they, they've proven enough to me at this point. And even though the, the league might be making adjustments, I'm not going to sit here and, and freak out over losing one series to a really good Phillies team. No, this could be a tough week, though. So we lose that series, and now we're going to Boston. Yeah, going to Boston for a three-game set. Boston has one of the best teams in baseball. I think they're atop the, the American League East lethal offense. They got Mookie Betts, who had, who's uh, one of the leaders in home runs, by an average on base percentage. J.D. Martinez is also one of the leaders in all of those uh, categories as well. Um, got Manny Ramirez, yeah, David Pedro Ortiz, Martinez, yeah, John Lackey. You know, it's just a stacked team. But yeah. in all seriousness, Betts and Betts and Martinez are, are monsters. And they have a, a solid rotation too, so I, uh, it's going to be a tough, get, a tough series up there. I, I think we show up though. Yeah, no, I don't think this team has any any fear uh, of whoever they're playing. They, they've proven that they can play with some of the best teams in baseball uh, so far. They actually have a much better record overall against teams over five hundred. I think they're nineteen and thirteen or fourteen against teams over five hundred, and I think they're only one game over five hundred against teams that are under five hundred. So I. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not nervous. Here's something for you. Um, did you see that? So after that win on Sunday, when like the Braves were going nuts on the field celebrating, yeah. mm-hmm. we've seen how excited Acuna and Albies, especially, like they're they're 20 year old kids having the time of their lives. Yeah, and there was a video posted of them in the locker room, like dancing. It's kind of like what you would generally see, like after a football game, but they're um, just having a good time in the locker room, yeah, enjoying the win, enjoying themselves, and that video was posted, and there were multiple people making with issues with that. Right. Like saying, like, oh, you don't see the Yankees celebrating like this. Like, pretend like you've been there before. This isn't how the Braves of the 90s would oh, play. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, exactly. That's an absolutely ridiculous comparison. It's like, get over yourself. Like, enjoy it. Like, it's fun to watch these guys right. play like that. And you know what? I have no issue with baseball players showing, you know, more passion than what's generally expected of them. That's a huge comeback win. You're down 9-4 to four with one out in the bottom of the ninth inning. You got nothing going, and you're not going to be excited about that? If they weren't excited, I'd, I'd say something's wrong with them. How crazy is it? That that comeback, so we scored six in the ninth, mm-hmm. happened eight years to the day that Brooks Conrad hit the grand slam against the Reds. Against the Reds, uh, which was we scored seven in the ninth to win that game. Yeah, that's pretty. Wild. That's crazy, right? Yeah, that's a hell of a coincidence. Brooks Conrad. It's just like the other day at work, uh, I wore the same green button-up shirt that I wore four years. Ago to the day wow. that a picture of me was taken on Facebook. That is really a hell of a coincidence. <laughs> uh, man. Cr- crazy, right? Yeah, you're drawing some uh, good comparisons. Yeah, there. I thought so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, also, I guess on the Braves front, Luis Gahara made his first start of the season. Uh, went four innings, I think. Struck out six, walked four. Uh, wasn't particularly sharp, but didn't pitch poorly either. 
I think he only threw about 79 pitches. Yeah, I don't think the defense helped him out a ton. No, Dansby made a really dumb play, even though he uh, he was cutting across the diamond, fielded the ball. There were two outs. Uh, Reese Hoskins is is running at him, and he just tries to tag him, but Reese Hoskins runs out of the baseline, and for some reason... Which wasn't, wasn't called. Which wasn't called for some reason, and everybody was safe. However, Dansby should have just thrown the ball to first, but it was still a bullshit uh, no, no call by the umpires. And then... Uh, but he's got nasty stuff, man. Oh, yeah, Go there's hard. a couple of those pitches. I mean, like, he, he had this one pitch. I can't remember. I think it was against Herrera. It was, like, 96. Sort of in the upper middle part of the plate, but it was. It had. It looked like it was about 105. Like, he just blew it past him. I mean, it was ridiculous. He has a great uh, change-up and also a uh, breaking pitch. I, I I really hope he can be a fixture in the rotation for a while and uh, get more sp- – and I, I don't blame him for not going that deep in the game either because he's been the longer relief guy. I think the longest he's gone this year is three innings in the majors, so it's going to take a minute for him to work into the fifth, work into the sixth, work into the seventh inning, so I'm not too concerned there. And I don't, I don't know if that's his spot now, but Soroka's going to come back. Yeah, Soroka's coming back from the disabled list. So where's Gohara go? I don't know. I don't know what the plan is there. We have so many. I mean, you've got to wonder if a trade's in the works. I, I, I think it'd be hard to tra- – like with a team winning like this, you don't want to like – like McCarthy's the only guy you would think about trading. I would be fine with. I, I mean, he he kind of struggled for a little bit, but he had a really good start his last. He's time had out. two bad starts. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, he he's not a long term fixture to me. Although he did beat the Phillies, he owns the Phillies this year though for whatever reason. He's won every single <laughs> yeah, start. That's against awesome. Them. Uh, and he looked pretty darn sharp on yeah. that, that game we won. Maybe Julio's the guy. I would be fine with trading him. I mean, he got absolutely rocked by the Marlins, um, who don't have the best offense in the world, even though they're a scrappy little team. The biggest problem with this pitching staff, as we talked about, is just consistency. You don't know what you're going to get. Newcomb, I would say, is the most consistent starter that he, we have right now. I, he would, I'd say he's our number one, no yeah, doubt. He's, he's been absurd outstanding. recently. He continues to to approach each game the same way, though. I love, I love the strategy. He's just... He's getting ahead of batters. He's elevating his fast. One thing I love it love is when a pitcher can elevate his fastball when he's he's ahead in the count. He's up uh, one and two, zero oh and two, and get a guy to reach. But it's it looks appealing enough that he feels like he can kill it. But it's really at his neck or at his chest in a, in a place that he can't get it. And he's just he's just locating his fastball so well that um, he's really transformed his game and has become easily like you're saying, yeah, our most consistent pitcher. Definitely I think, a race. I, I think we briefly touched on this, but. If Newcomb continues to pitch like this mm-hmm. and does turn into our ace, yeah. are you okay with the Simmons trade? Considering no, still no, still no, just because that's such a rare. Um, now, if he becomes like a Kershaw, then yeah, I'll be okay with it. So for him to be like the best pitcher that has ever pitched, that's the only way you're okay with losing Andrelton. Yeah, because Andrelton Simmons is the best defensive shortstop, and. Of his generation, can't deny that he's the best. He's he is the best defender in baseball. Okay, he is invaluable because he plays every day. He saves a shit ton of runs, um, and he's starting to hit now. So that's just that's just a, a little cherry on top. I mean, he, he's just such a ridiculous talent that I, unless he becomes like a super shutdown ace, like a Kershaw, or you know, Arietta when he was on the Cubs, or someone of that ilk, or Chris Sale, then the trade's still not worth it. He's given up one run in May. Yeah, no, he's been outstanding. But the jury's out in terms of if he's going to be that kind of pitcher long term. I don't know, but I, I love what I'm seeing. So even if he continues to pitch like this, 
No. Well, if he continues to pitch like this, he'll become one of the better pitchers in baseball. Okay. So if, if he becomes like a legitimate ace, like you can look at him and put him in the same breath as a sailor Kershaw, fine. Yeah, okay. But if he doesn't, then no. Plus you got to think of if we don't trade Simmons, then we don't make the Shelby Miller trade. And we don't get Ender. We don't get Ender or, along or with Dansby. Dansby. I know you don't care about Dansby as much, but Ender's huge. Yeah, well, I will actually say this about Dansby. I've been uh, more impressed with him from the eye test defensively. And I actually looked at a little bit of defensive analytics today. He's actually saved five runs at him this, so far this year. Wow. Uh, last year, you know what he, he did last season? What did he do? He was uh, wor- gave up seven runs. He was an awful defender. And his range, his uh, UZR, which is a range metric, is a lot better uh, than it was last year. That well, sounds like a made-up stat. Defensive metrics are not on the same level as offensive metrics because they're a little newer. Uh, in some respects, like a UZR or, or DRS defensive run saved, but um, the analytics UZR that, that's the people that listen to our podcast, right? Yes, this is, uh, uh, yes, those guys, the UZR. Nice. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the analytics are saying that he not only is he looking good at the eye test, but the the, the math says he's doing a, a much better job this season too. That must just be a confidence thing, right? I don't know. I think it's also he's, he's, he's put in the time and, and the effort, and he's just gotten better. Well, and also just the fact that we're actually implementing uh, sabermetrics into our defense. Yeah. So there are all those, like, I, I've been imp- shifts. And I've like been impressed you. by the amount of shifts we're doing and how well they're working. Like, there was a hit last night by Herrera that normally would have scored two runs because um, I think there was guys in second and third or the bases were loaded. I can't remember. But um, Ozzie was just sitting right behind second base and yep. just hit it right to him. So, I mean, probably- everybody laughs at these ridiculous shifts. Like, I know the Astros have put, like, four outfielders before uh, out in the outfield. And everyone's like, what the hell are you doing? But, I mean, the, the math says to do it. And for the most part, it is working. Sometimes the shift is going to get beat. It's not going to work every time. But it's... It's, and, and also, it's just the way that the shift works, too. It's not as straightforward as, like, you know, when it was like, oh, big poppy, you know, let's put the second baseman in right field and everybody shifts over. It's like the way they're arranging guys now is a little more dynamic, a little more diverse in terms of how they're doing it. There's a lot of really smart people that are um, taking jobs in this baseball ops now. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, one thing about Dansby that does concern me. Strikeouts? Uh, yeah. He hasn't been, you know, outside of that hit, he had um, – against the Marlins to win the game. He's, he's been pretty cold since coming back from the disabled list. And his batting average balls in play, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's when you don't strike out, right? When you actually put the ball in play, what is your batting average? It's 371, which is pretty damn high. high yeah. Which means that that's probably a regression is in order in terms of his actual batting average and his batting average of balls in play. Um, Freddie's, Freddie Freeman, for example, is 350. Yeah. So, um, and he's hitting like and he's hitting three twenty five. Yeah. So uh, it's a lot more. There's a bigger connection there than where Dansby's averages and when his batting average balls in play. It's almost like the Chris Johnson effect. Uh, if you guys remember or might not remember Chris Johnson, who was our third baseman in uh, twenty thirteen, the year after Chipper retired. He almost won the batting title, but his batting average balls in play was like four sixteen or something. I think it was like the highest of all time, mm-hmm. and. <clears throat> That was, and you know, that stat is due to, which is kind of funny. It's a little bit ironic, but a lot of, you know, a lot of luck goes into batting average of balls in play too. It's like luck is a thing, you know. Sometimes you're just gonna find holes, 
and that's not going to always last. And so, and then we saw it the next year. You know, his bat average plummeted. He wasn't hitting three twenty-five anymore, yeah. or three forty, whatever the hell he was hitting. So it's like that is actually one of the big analytics stats that I actually really like and give some context to if guys are ever performing or underperforming. You know, that was another thing that happened that we haven't mentioned yet is Jose Bautista gets cut, right? Which I, I screamed to the heavens when I saw that on ESPN the other day. Uh, you know, you've been pretty trash for the most yeah, part. But, but it didn't hurt us. Exactly. And this is exactly why I didn't understand why you were so upset about it. I just hated Because we knew that it was a low-risk deal, and if it doesn't work out, we get rid of him. I just hated that it didn't put us in a better position to win and that the arrogance of, of Alex Anthopoulos it's to say... Not, it was arrogant. It'd be arrogant if he didn't get rid of him. No, no, no. Yes, it would. But it was arrogant for him to for them to automatically say, we're signing him to minor league deal with the idea of he's going to be our starting third baseman. After all those stats I gave you about how shitty he is on defense and how you know poor, poor he's been on offense the last couple of years, why would you do that? And now, we, and, and now he's, he's off the team, and we saw that he wasn't a valuable asset. It was just a bad move. But we didn't lose anything by it. No, we really didn't. We, but, won, we won a ball game because of it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't kill you. I just thought it was a was I won no $50 point. because of it. You did win $50. But you still need to pay me. Uh, yes, I do. But uh, I, you know, I just didn't see the point of doing it, and I'm, I'm glad he's gone. It's funny, though, he got picked up by the Mets. But what I'll, I'll circle back real quick and say one of the reasons why Bautista was cut was because Anthopolis cited, you know, Camargo is getting on base at a higher clip, and they think he's got some bad luck in terms of his batting average with balls in play. So using that metric to sort of determine – and Dansby was coming back. And Dansby was coming back. That also certainly played a factor into it. But I'm just saying, like, these things are real, and they're being used by general managers. And all these old-school baseball people like Joe Simpson and Chip Carey need to wake the hell up. <laughs> Did I tell you? Uh, Specifically them. When I went over to watch that game on Sunday, um, it was intern Jared and a few other people that don't, like, sit down and watch full Braves games. Right. And I came in after they'd watched a few innings, and their first thing was, who the hell are these announcers? They're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> they hated them so much. Chip and Joe. Yeah. yeah. Although they, they had a pretty good call on the Dansby's hit, I thought. Yeah. The walk-off. When Chip Carey gets excited for the Braves, it's kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it was Joe who squealed yeah. like that. Um, but it was kind of funny last night. Normally, I don't watch the game with any sound. I have music going on. Because I just don't like their call. And I actually just put on the broadcast, and it was before I could turn it down. And I was like, that's not Chip Carey. Who the hell is this? And some guy named Eric Collins was sitting in for Chip. and Generic white guy. Yeah, and, and Chip was uh, going, I think his, his kids were graduating high school. And this is not to say we have any animosity towards Chip or Joe as people. We're just not fans of how they call baseball games is all. But the exciting part was we had a new guy calling games. And How was Eric Collins? I don't know if it was because I don't like the way Chip calls games or not, but I thought he was fine. I didn't love it, but I was like, I can tolerate this and listen to him. Right. You know? Uh, <laughs> that was just, just a change of pace. It was a change too. of pace, yeah. I, I don't know how to really objectively evaluate how Eric Collins did, but it was, it was, a nice, it was nice. I was like, oh, my God, is Chip gone? Yeah. Is this yeah. the new norm? And I was like, no, he's, he's, his kids are graduating high school. So I'm sure Chip has a contract that – do you think well, Chip's ever try to renegotiate his contract with th- three years left in the deal? I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Since he doesn't know a lot about uh, math. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
because of sabermetrics. Because of sabermetrics, yeah. Sure, sure. Right. Uh, we probably just touts that Carey name. No, around. you know what? I think Chip Carey is actually a very out, uh, uh, upstanding guy. He comes from a good, you know, family, and uh, I don't think he would he would pull such a pious fucking move like that. Mm. Well, um, I guess it's time for this week in Atlanta Braves history. Oh no, I think I had, I had one more thing for you. Oh yeah, okay. Um, a couple trade rumors out there. Mm. Speaking of third base, Ooh. yeah, I'm glad you brought this up. Um, so the the two viable ones that I see, I don't see Machado as viable for us. No, it'd because be, it'd be a bad move. Yeah, it'd be way too many prospects. It'd be way too many prospects, and you'd only guarantee him for half a season. Yeah, and he's gonna get paid next yeah. year, big you'd, time. You'd rather, if you even want to even entertain the notion of going after him, you'd rather do it in free agency. Yeah, I'd, yeah, but I don't want to. I want to do that next year. Oh, I agree. So yeah. the two names out there are. Uh, there's the Blue Jays link again, Josh Donaldson. Okay. I don't know what t- type of year he's having. I haven't kept up with him at all, so I can't say. But, but he's historically, also, he's been a beast. I don't know how he's doing this year, though. He's also a free agent after next year. Yeah. Uh, and then Mike Moustakis. I'd be more interested in that. Who we should have just signed this offseason. Like, he signed a one-year, like, $14 million deal, I think. We I could have gotten him. Yeah. Um... But we didn't realize we'd be contenders. Right, exactly. So I can't really blame Anthopolis for that. On paper, that would have been a, a dumb move. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with that. But I would be certainly willing to entertain that. And, and the Royals um, are already in selling mode. Well, the, they, They've the, announced it to the world. The amazing part about that is Musakis is actually having a good year. He, he's slashing really well. I think he's upper 290s, almost 400 on base. I think he's slugging in the 500s or pretty close to it. So he's having a good season. And he's doing it on an offense that's pretty pathetic. Yeah. So that, that speaks well for if he comes to the best offense in baseball right now, how much better he could possibly get with all these guys around him. Plug him in at like the five or six hole. Yeah. And he seems like a guy we can get without giving up any in our, any of our top prospects. No, you probably have Maybe to like a Tukey Toussaint. Yeah. Somebody like that. But the good news is we have we have chips we can, and we can use them if we really want to try and make a run this year. Yeah. And I say, why the hell not at this point? Um, and uh, as much as I like Camargo, if you get a Mustakas up here, it can hit a lot better and still get on base at a, at a you know relatively similar clip. Then why the hell not? Or the alternative is you can also, which I would like to give Austin Riley his shot mm-hmm. sooner rather than later. Give him like three or four weeks, see how he does. If he doesn't produce up here, then bring bring in Mustakas. Is he still killing it in Triple A? I th- I think outside of those that big those two games, yeah. he hasn't been amazing. Right. But um, the talent's clearly there. Oh yeah, totally. I- I'd rather not rush him, but I'm also not against what you're proposing if they feel like he's ready. Sure. Uh, any other trade rumors out there? Anything for a starting pitcher? Nope. Anything like that? Nope. nope. Yeah, I would. I would be interested. Third, third base, I see, is our only hole. Right, and I would be fine with the Mustakas deal because then that also doesn't put too much pressure on on Riley. Right, he can they can train him up. Doesn't have to feel rushed or anything. Take this year to figure, keep figuring stuff out, and the next year he's ready to, to step aboard. So I would be totally fine with the Mustakas move. Yep, yep, I yep. agree. Very fair. Now it's time for this day in Atlanta Braves rebuild history. So they did play a game. Okay. So the 12 and 32 Braves. 12 and 32. 
That's 20 games under 500, Graham. That's rough shit, man. We're what, like, at least 10 or 11 over now, right? I think we're 10. Or 9. One of the two. We don't know. Let's see here. Wait. 24th, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, box score. All right. 12 and 32. Jesus. 12 and 32. 20 right. games under 500. Looking for significant names in here. Ender, standard one for four. Well, we got to say what happened in the game, for Christ's sake. Well, that's what I'm doing. Okay. No, no, I mean, say what the score was. I already said. But what? did I not say? I don't think so. Oh, we lost two to one. To who? To the Brewers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You're interested in the stats. Well, mainly the players. Yeah. Uh, so Ender and Ciarte leading off, one for four. Gordon Beckham in that two-hole. Jesus. So Acuna spot, yeah. o- over three. Freddie, over four. He's just depressed at this point. Right. He's... He's had, he's had one of his off days. Marquecas is still in the four hole, 0 for 2. Flowers, 1 for 4. Kelly Johnson, 1 for 3. Your boy Eric Ibar, oh. still on the team. How? 1 for 4. Um, Brignac, pinch hitting. We got to bring him back, man. Reed Brignac's been in every damn one of these. It's incredible. Malik Smith hitting ninth, it looks like, 1 for 2. He's actually having a pretty good little season with uh, Tampa Bay this year. Julio, good lord, though. Julio, seven innings, three hits, one earned, zero walks, 12 Ks. 12 strikeouts. I'll never see that we shit. We clearly again. weren't paying attention. I don't remember that shit at all. Well, he probably was throwing faster than 88 miles an hour then. Yeah. And Alexio Gondo with Ooh, I remember him. a scoreless inning and two strikeouts. Nice. Let's see if the Brewers had did anything of note. Scooter Jeanette. Scooter Jeanette. I can't stand that guy. And so Aaron he's Hill, pesky. Aaron Hill back then. Braun somewhere, I imagine. Or is he out that year for steroids? No, Braun's in there. One for four with an RBI. So 12 and 32 versus 29 and 19. First place. First, first place in the National League East. Yep. I think I'll, I'll, I'll take this year. Yeah, buddy. And now to round out the show, we'll, we'll go to our uh, what's becoming a weekly segment. Questions from Hugo. So Hugo's question, I think, is based off um, the Baby Braves. Ad from last week? Yes, you promoted the 2005 Baby Braves. Yes. The original. The real. There's no reason to call them the original or real. Because that's just the Baby Braves. Fair. Um, What the hell happened to Andy Marte? Why isn't he the third baseman in this rebuild? (laughs) Well. I don't remember Andy Marte that much. I remember Wilson Bediment was part of that... uh, 2005 Braves, Baby Braves team, and he was actually a solid player for a little bit. I know a Kittel Marte, who I think is on the Mariners, who's a uh, white-hitting They're related. shortstop. They're related. I do not remember Andy Marte, though, to save my life. He was, a, he, was a, he was a big prospect, but he was a third-base prospect. And I actually remember being at the game at Turner Field that he debuted. Mm. Uh, a lot of hype. But he was blocked by Chipper. Of course. And... Hugo is going to feel insensitive for this one. He asks, what the hell happened to Andy Marte? He's dead. Oh. That's sad. Died in a car wreck in the Dominican Republic. Jesus. Yeah. That's awful. But he flamed out in baseball well before that. Still. Man, that's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. Jesus. Way to go, Hugo. No, what a jerk. All right. What happened to him? Why don't you Google him first before you ask that question? <laughs> Son of a bitch. Ugh, that's brutal. Uh, that's how politicians get themselves into trouble. Some politicians. Yep. 
So that was a um, that was a sobering note to end the show <laughs> yeah. on. Do you have anything? Uh, keep it a little lighter to round the show out with. No, I mean I think there's nothing wrong with our show being real as well, Graham. That's so. fair. I uh, have a little treat for you users this week. Every once in a while, we'll put a uh, we'll put a song on at the end of a show. Uh, there's some significant moment when Tom Petty passed. We put on uh, a song that Adam requested. Won't back down. Won't back down. Yes. And uh, this week, since uh, we were recording on Bob Dylan's birthday, I'm going to attach a unbelievably badass version of the song "Shelter from the Storm" from uh, the album "Hard Rain." Uh, it is incredible piece of music originally released on the album Blood on the Tracks and I believe 75 uh, it's my favorite album ever Shelter from the Storm was a very acoustic you know reflectful song a soft song it's a beautiful song but it's just it's totally acoustic it's just acoustic and bass when he went touring he rearranged it entirely and made it this hard rock electric it's crunchy electric uh, version and it's just out of this world good if you've never heard this version or you've never heard the song you're in for a treat and uh, hopefully I'll expose you. And if you're not familiar with Dylan, hopefully this gets you into him. Happy birthday, Bob. Um, so until next time, rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Thank you for listening. Hospitality. Hospitality.